Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, March 9th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's financial show, well, we've got a busy show for you today, folks. We've got the latest on the current state of the market and what it all means. We're going to dig into some real estate today. We'll look at the recent news regarding JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. We've got more of the last stocks you bought and why. Joining me to try to piece this all together, certified financial planner Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going? Eventful. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it, eventful. Um, well, I mean, hey, let's speaking of eventful, I mean, let's just start off with what is on the top of everyone's mind right now, and that is the current state of affairs in the market because we could see clearly last night that it was going to be a tough day. I mean, the the futures were telling the story. And I mean, it was kind of hard to imagine that the that the circuit breaker wouldn't be triggered this morning just based on all of the pessimism and news flow that we saw coming out last night. Um, they just, you know, there was there was time for that news to compound and emotions to run wild, and and you know, here we are today. The market down just over uh, fifteen hundred points. The Dow down over just just uh, fifteen hundred points as of this taping right now, and and it's it's for a number of reasons. I mean, Matt, we've been talking about coronavirus here for the past month. It feels like, and those concerns are real. They're understandable, but now we've got. Another global concern in regard to oil and energy markets, um, in particular, it seems to be a dispute at the table between Russia and Saudi Arabia, two very important parties in the flow of oil around the world, uh, and and that gets us to where we are today. I guess what I want to ask you first, Matt, is just when you when you go to bed last night seeing that news, when you wake up this morning and you see what's going on in the market. What what's what, where where is your mind at right now? What how, how are you dealing with what's going on? I mean, it's obviously stressful to watch, but um, it's it's interesting that this is eleven years to the day since the market bottomed after the financial crisis, um, March 9, two thousand nine, were the lows. So kind of ironic in a way, um, but it's it's kind of a bloodbath all across the board, which is kind of kind of rare recently. Um, you know, usually one sector's doing okay, and even if like utilities or real estate are doing fine, even if the rest are getting crushed, things like that. But it's pretty much across the board right now. Um, from a long-term perspective, this is the type of market you want to be in. But it's one thing to say you're okay with you know twenty percent crashes in the stock market. Now, now we're actually in one, so it's really important to kind of keep your eye on the ball, um, not make any sudden rash moves. Um, and find great stocks you like and start building positions a little at a time. It could get worse from here, but this is, in a lot of the stocks I'm watching, are, is looking like a pretty attractive entry point. Yeah, it, it does feel like it does feel like some opportunities are coming from all of this. But I, I do your point. I think is a really good one in that it, it's very. 
we, we can sit there and tell you to take it easy, don't worry, things will get better. It, it, saying that is easy. Processing it and accepting it and putting it into practice, another another thing entirely. And, and sometimes it really does take just going through episodes like these to, to be able to learn how to cope with what's going on and understand the nature of the market and understand the nature that that things do bounce back. I mean, that, that we, we don't know when that will happen, uh, but, but clearly there is a long track record of history on our side that tells us that uh, things will get better in time. Um, one thing I was thinking about, and I was talking about this with uh, Chris Hill earlier today on Market Foolery, and it, it struck me, you know, we, we for the longest time we've been, we've been dealing here with uh, concerns over the coronavirus and, and the economic impact that comes from that. There will be a real. I mean, there already is. I mean, there's a real impact coming from that. Uh, this issue with energy prices is is another real impact that is going to uh, play out on economic growth. And I, I start going back to that old saying that bad things come in threes, right? You ever heard that? So, so then it starts making me wonder what's the next shoe to drop here because maybe there's something else, maybe there's something else going on or something else to happen. And uh, you know, one of the things I think about is just the fact that while we're at a 50-year low unemployment rate, which is great, you know, the the glass half empty guy in me can't help but think, you know what? Well, that just means it can only get worse, Matt. That means unemployment's well, going up at some point. Well, I could I could make a good case that the 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 third thing is interest rates right now. Okay. Uh, uh, interest rates. If you if you were watching, I mean, I being that this is the financial show, I watched the uh, Treasury yields pretty closely. Nerd. Um, <laughs> the the ten year hit like a, I think it was below 04 percent on the ten year, which is insane. Which, yeah, uh, a couple months ago it was about two percent. So. This is, you know, one fifth of what it was yielding a few months ago, by far a record low, and it's crushing banks. Um, I mean, I'd, banks make money in a bunch of different ways. It's not that it's not a long enough show I could explain how a bank <laughs> makes its money. But most of but, their money they make from lending out. That's typically right. what banks make the gist of their money just by lending it out and, and making money on those loans. Right. They they pay depositors one interest rate. They charge another one when you borrow money, and the difference is their profit. There you well, go. You can't really lower deposit interest rates past zero. I mean, in in theory, you could, but then who would put their money in your bank? I don't know. So, <laughs> so there's only so much room to kind of lower your cost of capital, whereas lending rates can go down indefinitely, which they kind of are right now. Um, so that's why you're seeing banks just kind of get hammered. Um, just to kind of, I mentioned there's some opportunities to watch, and just to kind of name some of our favorite ones. Um, Wells Fargo um, is finally looking really appealing. Uh, it's trading at a 17% discount, discount to its book value. Um, since I'll ask Jason a little trivia question right here. When do you think the last time Wells Fargo was trading below its book value? Um, I mean, I, I, I'd have to believe that was at some point back during the financial crisis or shortly thereafter i feel like i feel like that would be the logical guess but i then i feel like you're getting ready to tell me i'm wrong no you are uh it's uh it dipped below book value briefly during the financial crisis and that was the only time in the past i think 20 years um even is, after the 
after the fake accounts were revealed, it was at 1.2 times book value. Well, I was just going to bring that up. Like that is pretty telling because even when you when you have a spate of bad news like we've seen recently with Wells Fargo that are clearly cultural issues and with signs at least there could be some ongoing problems within the company that the market would still give it that kind of credit um, versus you know what we went through in the financial crisis. I mean, let's dig into this banks issue for a few minutes because I we 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 like to look at it it uh, situations like this. You know, we like to look at episodes in in stock market history like this and try to think, okay, well, there are areas of the market where you probably don't want to be right now and that that you probably don't want to try to maybe take a flyer thinking things will get better and there are areas that are they're they're depressed for obvious reasons but represent really excellent longer term opportunities and so i mean you look at energy for example i mean that that seems like trying to catch a falling knife right now i mean i don't know that i'd be Interested in investing really in energy companies, even in the best of times. But right now, I mean, it's anybody's guess as to exactly how this is going to play out. I, I don't know that I would actually say the same thing about banks. I mean, I, I we talked about this on the show here for the last year and a half uh, with this low interest rate environment. Banks are just really having a difficult time making money, but that's okay. They're just biding their time. The healthy banks are figuring out ways to to keep their their heads above water and and manage it. It it looks like interest rate wise, it probably will get worse for them before it gets better. We've got a Fed meeting coming up on the 18th, and I think everybody's pricing in another big rate cut here. Regardless of whether you think that's going to help the cause or not, it's going to hurt the cause in the near term for banks. But I don't know that necessarily makes me want to run for the hills uh, away from banks. I'm starting to think like banks banks are looking too cheap to pass up. You know, like you mentioned, this is a very real problem. The banks are going to take a profit hit in the short term. Yeah. Um, and if just to put a number on what you said about the Fed, the market's right now pricing in about a two-thirds chance of three rate cuts at a 75 basis point rate cut, and about one-third probability that they're just going to cut rates to zero immediately in the March meeting. So, and for the first time ever, I think, as far as I know, the market's pricing in a little later down the year a real chance of negative interest rates from the Fed. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of. Pretty crazy. Um, so it's going to be a tough environment. We thought it was tough for banks to make money when the, you know, the federal funds rate was at two percent. <laughs> now when it's going to be like you know zero again or maybe even worse, um, it's going to be a tough environment for banks to make money. But one, as I mentioned, these aren't. This isn't the only way banks make money. Like the investment, most of them have investment banking divisions. They get trading revenue, things like that. Most of them have wealth management divisions. Which I'm sure their phones are ringing off the hook from their clients wanting to know what's going on right now. <laughs> um, but you know, banks have other ways of making money. They're in no danger of the big banks anyway are in no danger of being insolvent. They have to pass those stress tests every year that that prepare them for a, a you know a scenario that's a whole lot worse than what we're seeing right now um, to make sure that they'd be okay. And remember also that most banks are buying back stock kind of hand over fist right now. Yeah, that's true. And these lower share prices actually kind of help in that regard. So let me ask you this: Do you feel like um, I mean we talked a lot about consolidation in the banking industry and how we felt like I think I think that was one of your one of your predictions, one of your uh, trends for 2020. I think was more consolidation in the space. Um, but does does do times like these? It it seems like to me this this maybe start some of those conversations in boardrooms a little bit sooner rather than later. Perhaps some smaller banks looking at ways to 
partner up, perhaps some consolidation. We might see some more deals here in the near future as some of these smaller banks try to figure out ways to to bolster their balance sheets and their market share um, in order to cope with what clearly is going to be a little bit of a difficult time to come. Yeah, and um, I mean, not to, not to claim victory, but we've already seen uh, Morgan Stanley buy E Trade this year. <laughs> that's okay. Claim the victory while you can, baby. <laughs> uh, it, it, we're only two months in, and that's a pretty major deal, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but no, and it's banks typically only get acquired by other banks. Um, companies that are not banks definitely usually don't want to be banks for regulatory reasons. This is why, for example, Berkshire Hathaway hasn't acquired any any banks in in, in their entirety. They preferred to. Invest in the stocks. Uh-huh. Um, but so the catch, the kind of other side of that is that it, another bank would have to have be able to acquire them at an attractive price and come up with the capital to do it, whether it's stock or cash or whatever. Um, but no, I, I still think we're going to see a little more consolidation this year. Um, I don't know if any of the big banks are going to get together, but you could definitely see some of the mid-sized players get taken out by their their big brothers in there. Well, speaking of interest rates, let's talk a little bit about real estate because the two go hand in hand. Um, it, clearly, with the interest rate environment today, it's it's a tremendous time to be a homeowner, to be a borrower. Um, I was telling Chris earlier, I mean, I couldn't believe it, but at a 4.375 uh, 30-year fixed rate that we have on our home that we got three years ago, um, I'm actually speaking to our lender now about refinancing refinancing that into a to a new loan because rates are just I mean they're they're falling through the floor. Um, but it, when we when we look at real estate markets in particular, retail and hotels, they're getting hit hard for myriad reasons, of course. Uh, but this is exactly what you guys are studying day in and day out over in Million Acres. What what are some of the things that y'all are talking about right now in regard to real estate, in particular those markets and retail and hotels? Well, generally, real estate as a whole holds up better than the overall market in downtimes, and that's and we are seeing that right now. Um, the real estate sector as a whole is down about thirteen percent from its highs. The S and P is down about eighteen. So on a whole, we're seeing what we expect, but if there's Big, big discrepancies within the the space. Um, just kind of like we're seeing in the overall stock market, any type of business that depends on people's willingness to go somewhere, whether that's traveling, going to the store, whatever, is getting crushed. This is why the airlines and cruise lines are getting destroyed right now. Right. Um, so, hotels or just hospitality uh, REITs in general, um, especially those focused on group business, <coughs> excuse me, are really getting destroyed right now because you're seeing cancellations across the board. Um, I know just kind of close to home, the fool had to cancel an event recently. Yep. Um, I think most most of the people at HQ are working from home right now. J- Jason's in the building because he's you know he's not afraid of coronavirus. Not at all. Coronavirus better be working on a <laughs> vaccination against me, Matt. But out of a, out of an abundance of caution, people are canceling large events, which. To be honest, that's probably the best way to contain this disease and prevent it from really getting out on a large scale is to prevent people from being in large scale atmospheres. Yeah, and that was that was so, the million acres. That was the million acres event you were talking about in California that y'all just canceled, right? Right. I yeah. I've actually still in my life I've never been to California and that was gonna be my first time. <laughs> Austin just Austin's back there shaking his head behind the glass. I mean, he had tickets for opening day. Man, oh, man. that just didn't work out for you, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's it's 
there there have been a lot of cancellations. Uh, the South by Southwest conference was canceled. That that shocked me. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the interesting thing there, it canceled with no reports of any uh, any outbreak or or uh, reports of infection there on the ground in Austin. That really was a preventative measure. But I, I think. I think that you know, generally speaking, it was probably the right the right decision. I mean, it seems yeah, like it was pretty I, well received by the people working there. And um, if you remember the Shop Talk conference in Vegas that I covered for us last year, is has been can it's been moved to September. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these big group events are just hotels don't get the. Uh, I mean, a lot of hotels don't get the bulk of their business from people traveling on vacation. It's business travel, and yeah. you're seeing all that really kind of get killed. And retail, if, if you want to avoid crowds, are you going to go to a busy shopping mall? Probably not. Probably so you're seeing um, Simon Property is one of my favorite, is the biggest mall REIT, and it's one of my favorites, and it's trading for you know, an obscenely low valuation right now. Um, <clears throat> so a lot, of, a lot of good bargains in those, those sectors, and just be sure to look for the companies that have the financial ability to make it through the tough times, because not, not all mall operators do. This couldn't... This couldn't have come at a worse time for retail stocks. Um, they're already getting crushed by the e-commerce transition. And this is just, you know, it's like if you broke your leg and on the way to the hospital, somebody punched you in the face is kind of what's happening in the retail space right now. <laughs> and that paints a picture, right? That's, that's, that's <laughs> man, that's salt in the wound right there. I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, any, any market where they rely on generating traffic, physical traffic, I mean, that's just going to be... That's going to be a really tough one. I mean, I was—I think restaurants are another great example. There, just going to be very difficult. I mean, you can't make up for that traffic, and you can only entice people so much to come out. Um, oftentimes, they just say, "Listen, no, it's not worth it to me. I don't want to deal with it." Um, what? So, let's talk a little more specifically about um, a, a company in the real estate space uh, that you that you like here. One you wrote about recently. Um, on fool.com here, Tanger Factory Outlet Centers. This is a stock that you're actually feeling pretty good about in this real estate space, the retail real estate space. Uh, what 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 qualities does Tanger have that you like? Well, Tanger, first of all. Oh, Tanger. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of, it's one of the riskier plays that I like in the sense that it's a Form of realist or a form of retail that should be just fine over time. Um, Jason, you've been to the Carolina coast many times. You've seen all the outlet malls here. Oh yeah. Um, there's definitely an experiential component to that. It's not just you can't replicate that online. In other words, um, I mean, my mother makes trips to Myrtle Beach all the time just to go to the outlets. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a e-commerce resistant type of real estate. But it's getting crushed by retail because the companies that operate outlets also tend to have full price businesses that are getting crushed too. Um, and there's, you know, some of them are going bankrupt. They're leaving some vacancies, things like that. Um, Tanger is the biggest pure play outlet REIT, meaning that they're the only they're only focused on outlet space. It's a pretty young industry. The outlet industry has really only blown up in the past, you know, decade or two. Um, a lot of room for growth. I think the stock pays something like a like a 13% dividend at the current price. Wow. Um, they've raised it every year since their 1993 IPO. Um, it's well covered, but there's a lot of unanswered questions, especially now with the virus scare. Um, if you're worried about a virus, you're less likely to go to the outlets, even if you really are, really want to bargain. Um, so 
it's an interesting play on retail that a lot of people think of as a very e-commerce prone type just because of the companies who who lease space and outlets but that's that form of retail is doing pretty well people go to the outlets it's hard to it's, pass up a good deal and i mean you you made a point there i didn't realize the tanger had been so 1993 and they've raised their dividend annually every year since that ipo in 93 that puts them closer than not to becoming a dividend aristocrat, which we know is 25 years of consecutive uh, dividend, 25 consecutive years of dividend growth, that puts Tanger right up there, close to that. I mean, do you feel? Do you think maybe that's a priority of theirs? Do you feel like maybe even in a tough time like this, even with a yield like that today, that management's thinking, you know what, guys, even if it's just a penny, we got to grow this thing every year just to make sure we get that dividend aristocrat status. Is that something they value? Do you think? Oh, sure. I mean, they. They don't. They absolutely do not want to cut that unless they have to. I mean, you know, push comes to shove, they're going to make the more responsible decision if they have to cut it. But I mean, they leave a lot of wiggle room in their earnings to to cover the dividend. Um, I mean, like I said, it's well covered. It's I think it's in the high yield dividend aristocrats index right now, um, which I think is twenty. The threshold for that's twenty years, so it's been in there uh-huh. for some time now. Um, and it's. Just a great dividend payer. It's a well-run company. I think the founder still runs it, um, Stephen Tanger, which is um, where the name comes from. He's still in charge of the company, and it's it's a lot of room to grow. Um, outlets are not that big outside of a few, you know, East Coast coastal markets and big tourist destinations like Las Vegas. There's a bunch of outlets, but in a lot of markets, outlets really don't have a big share of the retail space. So this isn't like you're seeing consolidation in brick and mortar retail because of e-commerce. This isn't that. This is a market that still has room to grow. It is, you know, it the, and outlets are destinations. They're they're doing a really good job of making destinations out of them that people want to go to. Um, it's a, a shopping experience you can't replicate online. So I, I think it's one worth watching. And for our listeners again, what's the ticker there for Tanger? It is SKT. All right, good deal. Well, before we continue, I want to thank LinkedIn again for supporting this episode of Industry Focus. You know, hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it shouldn't take time away from your other priorities. With LinkedIn Jobs, it doesn't have to. And LinkedIn Jobs is a slick interface, Matt. You know, I was checking that out and I was impressed to see these features like be an early applicant, or you could even see where there are company alum associated with, with job postings there. It's a well organized, it's relevant to your profile. LinkedIn Jobs filters out all the noise. So, really, you can get down to business. And that's the point. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, the qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash fool. That's linkedin.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Matt, we wanted to touch on a news item here that came out late last week. On Thursday, March 5th, 
uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon went in for an emergency heart procedure uh, after feeling chest pains. Now, he's expected to make a full recovery. Uh, in the interim, co-presidents Daniel Pinto and Gordon Smith will run the show as Mr. Dimon recuperates. So first and foremost, we wish Mr. Dimon well in his recovery. Uh, but, Matt, this also brings up a bigger question for not only a bank that we really like here on the show, but a leader that we like a lot as well. Uh, it, it feels like this is a non-issue and that Mr. Diamond will be back at the helm in no time. But there's going to be a point in time where he's not, right? He's going to move on, do other things. I mean, there's going to be new leadership at the helm at some point or another. And I think that Jamie Diamond has done a lot in his life. But one of the things he's done, I think he's given us as investors the confidence uh, that, that I mean, he's he's kind of the smartest guy in the room. I mean, when you have someone in the banking industry testifying on Capitol Hill, you want it to be him, right? I mean, he is the guy that really goes in there and educates all of those others, asking the questions. And you know, something like this happens, you start thinking about a world where it's someone else sitting in that chair. Um, I, I wanted to see if you had any takeaways. Number one, on his absence from the company. Uh, and what that could mean. But number two, you know, if, if we're looking at this space and we're thinking one day we've got to rely on someone else, who's that? Who is that man or that woman in the room that's instilling the confidence that Jamie Dimon instills in us today? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. Um, so first of all, Jamie Dimon, he's his track record speaks for himself. He's the only big bank CEO who was the CEO before the financial crisis and still is today. Um, I mean, I. Every, all the other banks have had, in, in some cases, multiple turnovers since yeah. then. Um, having said that, J.P. Morgan is such a well-run company right now, and not just because of him, the rest of the management team, that I think they'll be fine long-term no matter who's in charge. Um, Jamie Dimon's kind of put the right framework in place, which is kind of what a, a great leader does. A great leader, I mean, think of Warren Buffett, a great leader doesn't need to be there if they've done their job correctly. That's true. So I kind of think of it that way. Um, in, it's still the best in breed of the big bank stocks by by a significant margin. Um, and if I had to name another person in the industry who I would who think could you know step up in terms of being the public face of the banking industry in the way Jamie Dimon has, I'd say it might be Brian Moynihan from Bank of America or even Buffett himself. He's if you if you don't remember um, when he was took a stake in uh, Solomon, and they made him part of the company, he was testifying and things like that. So he's been looked at as an authority on banking in the past too, and I, I can't see that changing. Yeah, yeah, I think those are all good calls there, and hopefully uh, it sounds like it's going to be a non-issue for now, but. Uh, certainly a question always worth deliberating. Um, leadership matters, and things happen that you just can't foresee. Uh, but again, our, our thoughts go out to Jamie Dunn and, and wish him well in his recovery. Uh, okay, Matt, we're going to jump into another segment here. This seems very apropos given the day, but the last stock you bought and why. We love uh, getting uh, feedback from our listeners on the show. We also love it when our listeners tell us about the stocks that they're buying. Um, and we got a few emails here recently. We'll go ahead and open up. We got an email from Rich. 
And Rich says the last stock I bought was Next Era Energy, ticker NEE, because it's the world's largest producer of wind and solar energy. In an age of energy consciousness, renewables will have a lot of impact. Additionally, with passive collection and an energy source that will last millions of years, I wish I would have invested here sooner. Well, good luck with that one, Rich. Sounds interesting. We got an email from Joseph. Joseph says my latest stock purchase was Fresh Pet. Ticker FRPT, a foolish recommendation to begin a position in the growing be great to your pet space. Joseph, I can get behind that 100% as the uh, father slash owner of three dogs. I gotta say, it's it's you just you want to be good to them, and it's pets are there's nothing like them. We got an email from David Moscovich. David says the last stock I bought was Virgin Galactic. Ticker S. P-C-E, for a portfolio I started for my one-and-a-half-year-old son. Hey, David, before we go on, just hey, nice work there. A one-and-a-half-year-old son setting a portfolio for him. That's great. You're a great father. I don't remember which episode host this was. I think Jason Moser was hosting, but another TMF follower wrote in to say that this was the last stock he or she bought, and I loved the idea. I'm hoping little Gabby will be able to look at his 20 years, look at this 20 years down the line and be excited that his old man bought him some ownership in the first publicly traded space travel company and to see how it's grown. And David, I tell you, I love space, the whole idea. Certainly Virgin Galactic's uh, one of the few companies out there right now that we can invest in. Seems a little bit uh Seems seems a little bit hyped up right now, given the company didn't really make any money. But there are a lot of different ways they can go with it, and that's certainly one I'm going to keep my eye on as well. And then we got an email from Jay. Jay says, "I just opened a position in Appian for a few reasons. First, I've been following the stock. Uh, sorry, ticker APPN. First, I've been following the stock since Tom first recommended it, and I'm impressed with the business and the CEO. They also recently expanded their business with the acquisition of a robotic process automation company. My employer has purchased a few RPA devices, and it's easy to see the value proposition for businesses. And I believe there is a long runway for this side of the business. Well, Jay, we hope that Appian." works out for you, and definitely a very popular recommendation in our Foolish Universe. Uh, Before we wrap things up here, Matt, I think that you've got one or two stocks to report here for the last stock you bought and why as well, right? I do. Last week I bought, I mentioned uh, retail and hospitality REITs as opportunities, and I bought one of each. Oh, very nice. I I bought Tanger, which is the one I just mentioned, uh, which I already own, but I added to my position a little bit. And um, I bought a company called Ryman Hospitality Properties. Um, if you're not familiar with that, is that Ryman uh, like own... in Tennessee? Yes, um, they own the Ryman Auditorium in Tennessee. Yeah, they have the yeah. Grand Old Opry, and most notably, the the bulk of their revenue comes from the Gaylord Hotel chain. Um, they used to be called Gaylord Hospitality, I believe, uh, before they were a REIT. Um, the Gaylord in the National Harbor is one of their big ones, um, right near you. Well, yeah, there have been a lot of classic widespread panic shows coming out of Ryman Auditorium, so I'm very familiar with that one. I may have to take a look at that one just for that connection alone there, Matt. Uh, But I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Um, Folks, you know, listen, it's it's bad today. It, It could very well get worse, but please stick with us and understand that things will get better. Uh, this is just part of the deal in investing. You take the good with the bad, and while today maybe seems a little bit bad, 
you know, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. And like, like Matt's been saying, it, it does sound like there's some opportunities opening up here. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes on that. Develop a watch list. And if, you, if you've got a portfolio of 15, 20, or 30 names in there, build a watch list of companies you already own and find those positions that you want to add to. Because, Matt, like Peter Lynch said, usually the best stock to buy is one that you already own. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I've, I've, the longer I've been investing, the more that rings true for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Most, most of what I buy is adding to positions I already have. Uh, Ryman was a new one, but I'd say the last like five or six stocks I bought were all additions. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Matt, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will see you next week for sure. All right? Alrighty. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. Drop us an email if you like at industryfocus at fool.com. Let us know what's going on. Tell us how you're handling this market volatility. Tell us the last stock you bought, or just drop a line and say hi. We always, we always love when people say hi. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, or the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his constant, constant reassurance behind the glass. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.